This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. If you're going to hunt geese, you have to have gear. On this episode, I talk about the equipment you need and how it differs from duck hunting gear. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the New Hunter's Guide, the podcast and YouTube channel helping new hunters get started and helping active hunters learn new things. I'm your host, George Kanidis, and today we are talking about the gear that you need for goose hunting and really in particular, the nuances of how that gear is different than what you need for duck hunting, what overlaps, what needs to be different, and what might need just a, a slight adjustment. But top of the list, number one thing you need is hearing protection. And I want to give a special thanks to Tetra Hearing for their support of the channel. Guys, do not go into the field without hearing protection when you're hunting waterfowl. You only got one set of ears and every shot you take without hearing protection potentially just takes one little notch off your hearing. And you never know when the next shot could take a big chunk off. So always wear hearing protection, get the best stuff you can afford. If that's earplugs made out of foam for a dollar to start with, start there, but work your way up. I think Tetra makes the best stuff in the industry, but whatever you can do, do that and then build on it. All right, so what kind of gear do you need in general for goose hunting? Well, there's a lot of similarities between goose hunting and duck hunting. So if you've got duck hunting gear, you are very close to being able to hunt geese. And I did an episode about all the gear you need for duck hunting uh, several episodes back. So go ahead and check that out. That's going to give you the foundation that you need. And then this episode will help you build upon it. I'll still touch on all the different things, but that one goes in depth on a number of things that I'm just going to just touch on briefly today. So the number one thing that you need after hearing protection, and you think really hearing protection's first? Well, 
yeah, you could go out with somebody else who has all the gear and use their stuff or just sit and watch and learn and you still need hearing protection. But after that, you need to have licenses. Make sure you have all the licenses you need, state licenses, migratory game bird, federal duck stamp, whatever your state requires, learn it, figure it out, and make sure you have it because it's only a matter of time before you run into the game commission. And if you are missing anything, it's going to be a problem for you. So get your licenses and get all that in order. Next thing you need is a gun. So how does a gun for goose hunting differ from a gun for duck hunting? Well, you could use the same gun, most people do, but there are nuances in what would be ideal. So the big thing is this, everything about geese is bigger than ducks. The birds are bigger. The ranges are usually further. Everything is bigger. They, they, they're, they've got more mass to them. They've got more muscle. They have thicker bones. They're harder to bring down. So you, most people will gear themselves towards more power, bigger guns, bigger everything to go after geese. Now, the truth of the matter is anything that will kill a duck will kill a goose at 25 yards. All right. So you don't need to go crazy here. You know, if you've got a two and three quarter inch 12 gauge that you use for, for duck hunting, that'll work just fine for goose hunting. All right. If you've got a 20 gauge that shoots three inch shells that you use for duck hunting, that'll work fine for goose hunting too. The name of the game though is range. All right. If you can get them close enough, you could drop them with a 410. All right, it, it, it's not as big of a deal to take down a goose as people think at reasonable range. But the further you go, the more power, the more oomph that you need. Now, the reason that a lot of people run into this challenge is the birds are bigger. They're easier to see. You can see them from further away. One, it's easier to overestimate your range or excuse me, to underestimate the range. It's easier to think they're at 30 or 35 yards and they're really at 40 or 50 yards because even geese can vary in size. Some geese could look smaller, some geese are bigger. So you might think, okay, that is uh, a little goose at 35 yards, but it's a big one at 50, right? It can be difficult to judge that range and that distance. They also may not come as close. So what happens is people tend to gear up to shoot at further ranges. So what does that mean? Well, typically it means bigger calibers, longer barrels, more powerful shells, and maybe even denser ammunition. So what you're looking at here essentially is um, you have to evaluate how you're going to hunt them. If you're going to try to get them within 20 to 30 yards, you really don't need anything special for hunting geese. If you're going to shoot them further than that, or if you're going to hunt them in the super late season when the feathers are the thickest, then you may want to think about, do I have enough power? So what is enough power? I would say a 20 gauge with three inch shells is probably the, the floor that I would look at. And then anything that has is, is rated higher than that is going to be sufficient. 16 gauge is fine. 12 gauge is the standard. Now, nothing bigger than a 12 gauge, two and three quarter inch shells really needed. Three inch shell just gives you a little bit more 
A lot of people go out and they're hunting with 10 gauges or 12 gauges with three and a half inch magnum loads. Most hunters, especially new hunters, can't even shoot anything that heavy duty without it either hurting them or without it jarring them so much that it affects their ability to shoot and they're not able to shoot as accurately with a gun that big. It's not necessary. It really isn't. I'm going to talk more about why in a minute, but you don't need anything that big. A 20 gauge is fine. Now, if you're hunting early season geese, you can get away with less. You can get away with the 20 gauge with with lower powered shells. You could get away with a 28 gauge if you had good shells, if you get them close, okay? 20 yards and a 28 gauge will do the job just fine in the early season. But as the season progresses and as ranges increase, then you really wanna probably lean towards a 12 gauge or a, or a 20 gauge with more powerful shells. Like I said, anything in the middle there is gonna be just fine. But you also need to keep in mind some factors like barrel length. Okay, there's, it's really popular nowadays to hunt with a really short shotgun barrel. There's guys out there with 20 inch shotgun barrels. I do not advise that for waterfowl. I just, or turkey for that matter. Um, you know, maybe for doves that's fine, but a 20 inch barrel, that's really a self-defense gun at that point. That's, that's not great for hunting because you're losing a significant amount of velocity with that shorter barrel. I personally lean towards a 28 inch barrel for waterfowl hunting, including geese. I don't think you need longer than that. Uh, I think a 26 inch barrel is okay. I wouldn't go lower than that though. I, I really like the 28 because I think you're able to really get the, the, the majority of the power of the velocity of the long range effect of your shotgun shells. So you, you want to think about these kind of things in terms of, okay, what's an ideal gun? Now, of course, as I've always said, the best gun to start with is the one that you already have, can easily borrow, or can buy used cheap at a gun shop or gun show. That's the best place to start. Get that, hunt with it, get experience, learn what you like, learn what features, learn what what aspects of the gun are valuable to you, and then that can inform a purchase decision of something that is substantial. So if you only have a break action 20 gauge single shot, that's fine, that'll do the job. That's all you need to get started. Okay, it's not that big of a deal. Even if it's a short barrel, it's fine. You can start with that. Learn, grow, understand what matters to you. People say, well, what would you? What is there to learn about? Well, it, it there's so many things, guys. Triggers for one. What kind of trigger do you like? What kind of trigger works good for you while you're shooting? Weight is another one. Some people want the lightest gun they can possibly get because it wearies them so much to drag it through the woods, to shoot it, or to lift it, rather. Um, they would rather have a lighter gun and deal with more recoil. Some people are the opposite. They want a heavier gun and deal with less recoil. Some people hate a long gun. They just can't manage it in the blind. They're, they're awkward with it. They bang the barrel in the stuff. They'd rather have a short barrel and sacrifice some velocity and power. Some people want a certain kind of stock that fits them well. Some people like a certain grip on the forend. Some people like a certain type of shotgun. Maybe it's a semi. Maybe it's a, a pump action. Maybe it's a bolt action. 
You learn what you like, what features matter to you, and then you can make an informed uh, purchase decision and about something that you can be sure you'll like, as opposed to a lot of guys that just run out and buy something, spend a bunch of money, and they learn after a season or two, you know what, I really don't like this. This does not complement my style and my preferences. But they didn't know that when they bought it because they didn't know what their style and preferences were because they just started. So start wherever you are. But if you're looking at what's ideal, I like a longer barrel. That's not just my personal preference. That's because you get more power out of it. And I think you need to, to look at, okay, how big of a gun can you comfortably shoot without it messing up your, your accuracy, without it being too heavy, without it being too much recoil, and then settle in there. But people often are thinking a little bit longer range and what can help them hunt effectively at that range. So, like I said, the same gun you use for duck hunting will work just fine. Maybe you set that gun up a little differently. So chokes is another thing that is a little different. A lot of people will hunt ducks maybe with a modified choke or an improved cylinder choke. And that works perfect for them at, you know, 25, 30 yards. But for geese, they want to hunt with a little bit more choke. So maybe they want a full choke, which is going to give them a little bit tighter pattern at, say, the 40-yard the mark or the 45-yard mark. And that tighter pattern, maybe with a little longer barrel, maybe with a little bit more powerful load, is going to give them a little more advantage at higher range to hunt those geese. So I use the same choke that I hunt with for ducks that I hunt with for geese. It's not because I think that that is the best choke for the job. It's that I know what my gun will do with that choke. So I know with a modified choke, I hunt, you know, I know what it'll do for whatever I'm hunting. I know at what range, I know what kind of pattern, I know how I need to aim, whether I'm hunting doves, crows, ducks, or geese. I, or just shooting clays, I know that with a modified choke, how I have to aim, what I need to do, and I just don't shoot enough or hunt enough, in my own opinion, to where I want to, to just try to multiple different kinds of chokes and switch them up between seasons and maybe get used to one and then switch and make mistakes with the other one. I just don't, I just not, I'm not, I'm not there yet. You know, I, that's just not a place I have evolved to, may never evolve to that spot, I don't know, but that's that's my opinion. You've got to make your own decisions and what works best for you. I typically stick with the same choke, but I have I have thought about switching out to a full choke, just, just haven't gotten there yet. So, but people often do go with a little tighter choke to help them with that range. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The third thing that you need is ammo. Now, the same ammo that you use to hunt ducks, you can use to hunt geese. A lot of people hunt ducks with number four shot or number five shot or number six shot or maybe number two shot. Usually, the sweet spot seems to be right around that number four, number five range. 
That'll work just fine on ducks or on geese, especially in the early season, if you can get them close enough. So number five steel is going to do the job. It's going to drop those geese like nothing at 20 yards. It's going to work just fine at 25 yards. At 30 yards, it's still probably going to do the job just fine. At 40 or 45 yards, though, I think it really starts to lose its efficacy. It's just not as effective at farther range. Those steel pellets, they're just losing too much velocity. They're not carrying enough energy. So typically, most people will step up to number two shot when they're hunting geese so they can get a little bit more range. And in the late season, they may go all the way up to BB shot, which is even bigger than number two shot. And it's just more dense. Well, I guess it's the same density. It's more mass because it's a bigger pellet. And those things are going to go further and they're going to have more power at longer range. But there's a trade-off there. The bigger the shot, the fewer the pellets. Right? Because that shell, maybe it's got an ounce and a half of shot in it. Maybe more, maybe less. But let's just say it's an ounce and a half. Well, an ounce and a half of number four shot is going to have significantly more pellets than an ounce and a half of number two shot, which is going to have more pellets than an ounce and a half of BB shot. So the bigger the shot you get, it's still the same weight of pellets, but so those pellets have to be bigger. Or they have to be bigger, there has to be fewer of them in order to, to fit in there. So the bigger the pellets, the fewer of them you have in your load. Now that leads to the, the next point of discussion. What about bigger shot or denser shot? Most people use steel because it's the cheapest thing out there. Uh, and it works at the right range with the right pellet size. But other options are on the market and, and they get a lot of publicity. What about bismuth shot, which is denser than steel? What about tungsten shot, which is even denser than bismuth? can even be denser than lead depending on how much tungsten is mixed into the blend. Well, those can be good options. I did an entire episode on shot and 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 how to understand that and what to do with that information. It was feature length. So I would make the recommendation, go back and listen to that episode if you're thinking about this. I also posted a YouTube video where I did an experiment at the range where I tested number four steel shot against number four bismuth shot. And then I even tested that against number two steel shot. And what I found was the bismuth shot I was using was the boss bismuth shells. They didn't sponsor. They didn't pay me. I went and bought my own shells. They didn't know I was doing the test. Bought my own shells, ran the experiment, got ballistics gel, got pattern or got some some paper to do some patterning. And what I found was at 40 yards, which is longer range, you know, this matters more for geese than it does maybe for ducks. But at 40 yards, which is longer range, I found that the boss bismuth shells had 40 percent more penetration, more power than the same size steel shells, 40%. Now I shot several pieces of gel, multiple sides, multiple rounds, tried to account for, you know, maybe some, some rounds or more power loaded hotter, or maybe some are loaded lower, 
So I shot multiple rounds of each type of ammo, multiple blocks of gel, front side, back side, to make sure we're accounting for maybe one piece of gel is a little denser than the other, whatever the case may be. And then I measured every single pellet, every single pellet painfully of each shot, wrote them down, ran the math, did the averages, and the boss bismuth came out 40% more penetration, 40% more impact power at 40 yards. Was also interesting is that the, the boss number four bismuth had still more power, more impact power, more penetration at 40 yards than the number two steel shot. So number two shot is bigger than number four shot. And you might say, is it really noticeable? Oh yeah, you can notice it. I could see the pellets in the gel next to each other. You can clearly see number two is bigger. So the boss had, I think it was 13% more penetration at 40 yards than the larger steel shot. And the steel shot was traveling much faster than the boss shot. I think the steel shot, I had some, some express goose loads. And I think they were traveling at um, 1,550 feet per second versus the boss tungsten or the boss bismuth shells were at 1,350 feet per second. So the goose loads were traveling at 200 feet per second faster than the boss loads at the muzzle. And of course, in order to get that higher velocity, they have to put less shot in the load. So you had an ounce of that shot versus I think the boss shells were like um, one and three eighths ounce. So you had, you know, another 30% more shot in the boss round than you did the steel round, which I thought was, you know, it's, it's a fascinating trade-off. So for the steel, they decided let's put 30% less shot so we can get it 15% um, faster velocity, something like that. I'm not, I don't have the actual math. I'm just ballparking it in my head. And they do that because they want to have more long range power, but that's at the cost of fewer pellets. But also you've got number two shot versus number four shot. And that number two shot is going to have significantly less pellets than the number four shot, even at the same weight. So the boss is coming out there with a lot more pellets and still more power than the number two steel. So throwing that out there, bismuth is a good alternative to get you some more range and some more power. And I actually found, I had 40 yards, I had I think 68% more pellets on the paper with the bismuth shells than I did with the steel. And you can look at the test, I've got the brands and all the specs and all, all the details that are there and in the comments and so on, it's on YouTube. You can head to the website, newhuntersguide.com. You can find it there on the duck hunting category. I've got a link to it. But, you know, it was very interesting test. And I may, may do some more tests, may even have more tests posted by the time this episode airs. Who knows? But the, 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 the bismuth provided a nice, nice benefit. And I was doing the test for duck hunting, but man, that applies so good for goose hunting too right? Or especially mixed seasons where a lot of this comes into play. That round, that number four is going to work real good for ducks and for geese. It's going to work better than the number two steels even. So you've got that going on. Now tungsten is even denser. It'll perform even better than bismuth, but it costs even more. 
So the bismuth, I think, is costing, oh, right around double the cost of the steel. And the tungsten's going to cost double to quadruple the cost of the bismuth. But you get incrementally higher performance. It depends on what the sweet spot is for your budget and, and what you want to go for. Most new hunters should probably start with steel because it's cheap and you got to figure out where you're going to put your money. But the bismuth is not out of, is not out of, you know, is not out of the realm of possibility. I think when I bought mine, I paid $30 for a box of 20 is what it was. Now I should mention, it's worth saying in my first season waterfowl hunting, okay, that was ducks and geese. I only went through one box of 25 shells and some of those shells were target practice. So I probably shot about 20 times my first season. Didn't have a great first season. It was good. It was fun. It was a lot of learning. It was a lot of figuring out what am I doing wrong? Why am I not taking more ducks? But a lot of people are probably going to have a first season similar to that. And it depends on how many times you hunt. Right? If you hunt twice versus 15 times, you're going to go through drastically different amounts of ammo. So if you're looking at it in terms of, you know, if I should I buy one box of steel for my first season or one box of bismuth for my first season? Okay, well now you're talking about a difference of, you know, $15 versus $30. And that may make sense for you to go with the bismuth for your first season because that's not a huge difference and it is a significant benefit in performance. And then maybe if you do end up shooting more than a box, you just switch to the cheaper steel because by that point, you've been having a good season, you've been dropping ducks, things have been going well for you, uh, and then you can ride on the cheap stuff if you're not able to afford the better stuff and then you reevaluate next year. Right? These are all different kind of options that you can do. But anyway, probably not going to start with tungsten your first year just because the cost is significant. The, the highest grade tungsten that they have, which is uh, 18.6 cc, whatever the, the density is, that stuff can go up to $10 a bullet. Okay, that's crazy. That's, out, that's outrageous. I may pay a dollar a bullet. I may pay $2 a bullet. I'm not paying $10 a bullet. Just not going to do it. Uh, forget about that. At least not at this point in my life. You know, if I end up, you know, independently wealthy in the next 10 years and I've got more money than I know what to do with, then sure, maybe I'll spring for some, some $10 a bullet loads. Or I should be fair here. You know, maybe you're taking a trip. Maybe you are going to, I don't know, China to hunt ducks. And you have a once-in-a-lifetime trip and you're spending thousands and thousands of dollars to go there and hunt ducks for a couple days. Well, if you're going to do that, it may make sense to buy the $10 a bullet ammo because you don't know how many shots you're going to get. You want to make the most of it. You know, what's a couple hundred bucks on ammo if you spent 10000 bucks on a trip? I don't know. Chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, though, that is not you. <laughs> but hey, whatever. Just throwing it out there. So you got to have a gun. You're looking at trying to get a, maybe a little more range, a little more power for geese. You got to have a choke. You probably want a maybe a little tighter choke for geese. Um, I still use the same one, but maybe a little tighter. And you got to have ammo. Typically, you want something that has maybe a little more punch. You want to have maybe a little bigger shot. So maybe a number two instead of a number four. 
Or maybe you want to have a little denser shot. So maybe go with bismuth over steel. That'll give you a little bit more power, a little bit more range, a little bit more efficacy. So those are the three big things. Well, not the biggest things. Calls is next. Calls is pretty big, right? If you got with a duck call hunting geese, probably not going to work real great. You got to get a goose call. Now, my goose call journey, uh, as it were, is, yeah, it was painful. It really was painful. So I started with basically one of the cheapest goose calls money could buy because somebody on the internet said this is the best goose call for new hunters, period. It's the only goose call you'll ever need. Well, the one I got was not. It was a dud. It was terrible. Couldn't make a goose sound to save your life. You'd maybe blow one call and it would sound right. And then from then on, it would get gunked up and you'd have to clean it to get one clean note out of it. I called, talked to the manufacturer. I called, talked to the owner of the company. He helped me troubleshoot it, sent me pictures, talked me through it on the phone. Nicest guy on the planet. If I would have asked, probably would have sent me a brand new call. But I wasn't trying to get a new call. I just wanted my call to work. And I felt like... You know, after after using up a half hour of his personal time in the evening over this fifteen dollar call, I just I didn't want to I didn't want to ask any more from him. And I wish I could say the name of the company because they were so good to me, but I just can't do it because the call was so lousy. But they were the greatest people, and I'm sure would have replaced it if I asked. But I just felt so bad at that point. I didn't want to ask for another fifteen dollars from them. So I ended up getting another call. It was a really old call. It was wooden. It was interesting looking, uh, fascinating, had some history to it. It was better than the, the plastic cheap one, but it really wasn't good. I just, and at this point I start losing confidence in myself. Like, okay, I'm watching all these YouTube videos on how to blow a goose call, trying to figure that out and just couldn't just, I, I don't know. I just couldn't do it. I just something I'm like I'm not an idiot I'm not inept I can make duck sounds so I got a recommendation from someone um oh man if I could remember his name he's been a big help to me uh one of the guys here at the local Pennsylvania chapter of uh backwater hunters and fishers and uh you know he gave me some tips I went out and bought a $40 goose call which I think is pretty expensive I was looking at that and an 80 and 120. So, of course, I went with the 40 because, uh, you know, thinking, well, whatever. So I got this $40 call. That thing was fantastic. Just absolutely outstanding call. I can't remember the name of it. I should have looked at it before I did this episode. But it was outstanding. Now, it could just been those first two were duds and basically anything would have worked good after that. But... That was how my journey began. I mean, within five seconds of having that call, I felt like, oh, yeah, this is easy. I can make goose sounds. It was great. So I I would not recommend you go with the cheapest call money could buy. Um, You know, look for something that has good reviews. Look for something that has a little quality. And I think you're rewarded for what you pay for. For whatever reason, duck calls for me, I've not yet blown a duck call that didn't work, that didn't sound like a duck. I've had $15 duck calls, 
they work okay. They're not as good as the better ones, but they would work. That's, I mean, they do the job, right? Better Call does a little better, but they did the job. For Goose Calls, I did not have that experience. The cheaper ones just did not work, period. Just could not use them. It was not even possible. And then I spent a little more and got one, and it was perfect. So you got to get a Goose Call. I recommend you get one that is reasonably good, has reasonably good reviews, has more than five reviews. That's important. I should have really studied the reviews for that cheap plastic one that I started with because they were not good once I got around to it. But it is what it is. That same company makes a lot of higher-end stuff. Can't blame them for trying to make entry-level calls for new hunters that are really cheap, and maybe some of them are duds. You just It's just the way it goes. Quality control, you, you got to sacrifice something somewhere in order to get the cost down. So you got to have calls. Decoys. You got to have goose decoys. Duck decoys will not help you hunting geese. Goose decoys may help you hunting ducks. Certainly not going to hurt you. Doesn't work the other way around. You got to have some goose decoys. So what kind of decoys do you need? Well, it depends on where you're going to hunt. Are you going to hunt in water? Or are you going to hunt on land? So you floating decoys versus standing, sitting, kneeling, laying, land decoys is the bottom line. You got floating decoys versus land decoys. I think most new hunters, and I've talked about this in previous episodes at length, so I'm not going to go in depth here for time's sake, um, but I think most new hunters are going to hunt on water because they're going to hunt public land and there's more public land on water than there is fields that are going to be huntable and hold geese and not have huge competition. So chances are you're going to start on water unless you have a spot that you can do on land and it's going to be effective. If you do, by all means, hunt on land. I, I think hunting on land's easier, actually. I wish I had opportunity to hunt well on land because I think I would do that instead of hunting in the water. Now, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I like hunting in the water, but it's easier. It's just flat out easier to hunt on land. I don't need waders. I don't need a boat. I don't need a dog. I don't need all kind of stuff. I'm not going to get wet. Uh, I can show up later. It just, it's easier, I think, to hunt on land than it is in water. I just don't have, I have, I've got a couple of land spots. And when I say couple, I mean two. And they're not great, but they're there. But I have way more water spots on public land that I can go to. All the spots I have are public land for, for waterfowl hunting at this point but way more opportunities to hunt in the water than on the land. And that's probably going to be the case, not always, but for the majority of people. So what kind of water decoys should you get? Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to make a recommendation here. Okay. Um, I like the last pass, the final approach, last pass goose decoys. I like them for a couple reasons. One, you get six of them for a hundred bucks which I think is, is one of the only, if not the only ones on the planet that are priced that way. Two, they're durable. Normally you get four for a hundred bucks. Here you're getting six for a hundred bucks and they go on sale. You can get them cheaper than that. They go on sale. You can get them cheaper. Normally you get four for a hundred bucks. And normally you get four and the heads detach and they're flocked and they do all this stuff. And that's what I started with. Um, 
I thought, oh, they're better. You got flocked heads. If you don't know what flocked is, it's basically like a felt fabric that looks more natural, doesn't shine if it gets wet and stuff. And they do look good. They look great. But what I learned was you got to baby them or that flocking will rip, tear, wear off. I hate the detachable heads because you're bobbling them. You don't know where they're going to go. Their necks are real long. Uh, the decoys are real heavy. I just, uh, it's a its a pain. It's just a lot of extra work. Whereas the last pass, the final approach, last pass goose decoys, they're one piece, they're short neck. They all look the same, but it's fine. They look better than any goose decoy on planet Earth 10 years ago. And they're cheap and you can store them and carry them easier. You're not losing heads. The heads aren't wearing off. Uh, they just, they work good. So I would recommend if you're starting, you start with that. Now, I know I'm not sponsored by them. No, I'm not sponsored by anyone. No one's sending me goose decoys. I've never gotten a goose decoy or a dollar from any goose decoy company ever as of this episode. Uh, though I would gladly talk with potential sponsors on the subject because I think it's a nice product. And that's, that's what I would recommend if you're looking for what's the lowest entry point to get in and you get six instead of four and I think that's that's where I would start if I were you if you're looking at decoys uh, I think Rogers is the the place I've seen the best price on them nope not sponsored by them I actually reached out to Rogers and uh, never heard back but regardless Rogers often has really good pricing on waterfowl stuff I've gotten some stuff there been real happy with it in the past so for those particular decoys, that's the best place. That's the place I've seen the best price on them as of this episode being recorded. So you got those decoys. Next, you need a blind. Now you could use a hunting blind. Well, I should back up on the decoy conversation. How many decoys do you need? It's more about how many decoys can you afford and carry. Goose decoys are bigger, they're heavier, they're expensive. How many can you afford and how many can you carry? You can start with six. It's not like duck decoys where dozens and dozens, well, you know, it kind of is actually, to be fair. The more goose decoys you have, the more chance you're going to have to pull bigger groups of birds. The, the birds that are going to come in to your decoy spread are usually, not always, but usually is when there's more decoys than the number of birds flying in that group. So if you've got six decoys in the water and you've got groups of six or less flying around, you've got a reasonable chance of drawing those birds in. If you've got groups of 10 or 20 flying around, they're probably not going to be as interested in a small decoy spread because they're thinking, no, there's more of us than there are of you. How big of a party can that be? How good of the food or how good can the food be there? Not saying it can't happen, not saying it doesn't happen, it's just less likely. So you know, more is almost always better with goose decoys. With duck decoys, it's not as much that way. Not in every situation, but much of the time, more, you reach a point where you just don't need any more. For goose decoys, I don't know that you can ever reach the point where more wouldn't do more. But you can start with six. If you can get a dozen or more, that I think will improve your chances a little bit. But again, it's, it's basically an equation of what can you afford and what can you, can you carry in? How can you, how can you transport it? So you got decoys. And if you're in the field, that's even harder. 
Um, you need some full body shell, some full body decoys. You can get a few full body decoys. You know, usually they're standing up or maybe they've got stakes instead of legs and they go in the ground. And you can get shells. So you can get like a hundred shells. Or no, excuse me. You can get like a dozen shells for like 80 bucks or a hundred bucks. And those shells, they stack. They don't take up a lot of space. You can place them around. They help make it look like you have more geese that are laying down, right? So they're only a partial body. They're a shell. They nest on top of each other. You can get all kinds of stuff like that. They make little flags that stick in the ground that kind of look like geese. You can paint cardboard black. Cut out shapes of geese, paint it black. You know, if you start with four or five full body decoys, get you a couple dozen black cutouts. That'll work in a field. It really will. Paint it both sides black, some sitting ones, some standing ones. Put some little stakes in the cardboard with some duct tape. Paint the duct tape, of course. And that will actually work. That's harder to do in the water. You can't really use floating cardboard. Some people will take gallon jugs and paint those black and then rig those up and throw them out there. I don't know that I'm ready to go that far. Um, you could try it. It's one way to make it look like you have a bigger spread. I, I don't know. People have done it. It has worked for people. I'm not going that far to say you should, but the, the painted ones on cardboard, that'll work because they actually sell flat goose decoys. It's just plastic or cardboard laminated is painted like a goose on each side because they're cheap. So you get a lot of them and from a, you know, from a broad side, it looks like a goose. So you can do things like that to up your spread to spend less to get more volume on land. Okay, so there we go. We got the decoys covered. Blind. Well, you can use, of course, the same blind or same kind of blind you're going to use for duck hunting. The difference for goose hunting, typically, is you can hear geese coming from further away. They're loud. And they can hear them from, sometimes it seems like, for miles. So, for goose hunting, you can be more lax you can you can just be talking and chilling and then you hear geese from a mile away and then you can hide and tuck in and do what you need to do and then start calling. You have some time that you just don't have. You have some distance that you don't have for duck hunting. Duck hunting is a lot more real time. Those birds are usually closer before you see or hear them and usually you don't hear them, you see them. And they're small so you can't see them from that far. So for duck hunting, you got to be a lot more hidden. You got to be the whole time. You, you got to be careful. You're not sitting there just, you know, lollygagging and doing all kind of crazy stuff because you could get busted, didn't even know they were there till it's too late, where geese are normally further away. So you can do stuff where, okay, you got a, you have a, a tall blind and you just, you can sit there on a regular chair or whatever, um, you know, and then you're just hanging out and you hear them. So then you can tuck in close to the blind, get your gun, get in position. You've got more options. It can change the way you build your blind. It can change the way you set up. You know, you just couldn't sit or crouch in that position for a long time for duck hunting all day. It just wouldn't work. So you have to build your blind and your setup differently. Whereas for geese, not always, but often you've got more warning, more notice, more time, more flexibility. So you can be laxer, and then you can grab your gun, you could kneel down, you could tuck in against the front wall of the blind, you could do all kinds of things, you could throw a blanket over you. 
and then start calling and then you have you got that time to be able to do that and then when the birds are near boom you pop out and take your shots so you have that that additional ability for geese that you may not have so much for ducks so you could use the same blind or similar blind i usually say build your own on site it costs nothing you get you get some sticks and logs and twigs pile it up in an arc get a bunch of brush and tall grass line it in the front make it extend over the top a little bit try to get you some back cover cost nothing you can get some camo mesh at walmart for 10 bucks you can put that on top of the blind over your head you can do all kind of things to help get you some more cover cheap whereas you know some of these a-frame blinds they're nice i got nothing against them they're nice they work good you can brush them up easy, take the brush with you so you can set up faster. It saves time. You do have to haul it in. You got to find a way to haul these things in. They're not exactly small or light, but they're expensive. I don't know that they work better than your improvised blind, just building it on site. And I've talked a lot more about this back in some duck hunting episodes about blinds and so on. Go look at that for more information that goes in further depth. But I don't know that the A-frame blind is better than the improvised blind. It's just a lot faster and easier. So you're paying a couple, three, four hundred bucks for a faster, easier option that probably if you're listening to this podcast is something you're saving for your second or third season because you need to spend that money on other things. What else? Decoy transportation. Goose decoys are big. You're probably not going to backpack in a dozen or two dozen goose decoys like you could with some duck decoys. So you got to have a way to get them in. I like to use a jet sled. I think it works real nice. You can pile up bags of decoys on that and then drag that in. Jet sleds float. You can actually pull them behind a kayak even. Uh, or you got to use a boat. Or maybe you got an ATV or a truck that you can get real close to your spot and, and get your stuff out of there. But you got to think about how am I going to get these decoys to my spot? If I can afford two dozen goose decoys, how am I going to get them to where I'm going to hunt? So it depends on how many guys you have. Depends on what kind of transportation you are. How far from the water. You may be limited not by how many decoys you can afford or how many you can put together. You may be limited by how many you could transport to the site without killing yourself. So you got to think about that too. Other things that you need. Now these, I'm going to give you a list of things here. I've talked more about this in the duck hunting gear episodes. But these are things you need to be aware of. I'm not going to go in depth right now because of time. But they are things that you need to, to think about. Waders, very important, especially if you're hunting on water. How are you going to get into that water? I've done entire episodes on waders. I've done a review on waders on YouTube. Look into that stuff. Um, there's a lot of things I've already talked about the subject. Go back, find those episodes. You need camo. You got to be concealed from the waist up. Waist down doesn't matter so much because you're usually tucked in. You're hiding somehow, some way. You need camo from the waist up. You need good camo. I like to use a face mask. When I say good camo, I don't mean expensive camo. I mean camo that blends into where you're hunting. If you've got camo that's all covered in like yellow reeds and you're hunting in dark marshes and dark, you know, riverbanks, that's not good. You're going to stand out. You need camo that blends into where you are. So I have a great Cabela's 
down, Gore-Tex, Thinsulate, everything duck coat. I mean, this thing is huge. It's so warm. It's old. It's vintage. I got it at a yard sale for ten bucks. It was four or five hundred dollars new. Fantastic coat. This thing will keep you warm at negative twenty with a hundred mile an hour wind. It is just bulletproof. I can never use it though because it is this crazy yellow reed pattern, and I don't hunt anywhere where there's crazy yellow reeds, especially in January. So I, I've I've only ever worn this thing like twice ever, and thankfully it only cost me ten bucks. But I'm waiting for the day where I find a good spot to hunt where that is the right camo pattern. But usually just your your regular real tree or you know whatever mossy oak kind of stuff is going to work just fine. But just be aware that camo needs to look good where you're hiding. So you got to have camo. You, you probably want a lanyard for your calls. I've talked about that in the past, something to hang around your neck. So your calls hanging around your neck, you can use string. You don't have to buy a lanyard. But once you get to the point where you got two, three, five, 12 calls, uh, you need some kind of option there. You need a way to stay warm, especially when you're hunting late season. There's all kinds of things about this. I've talked about it ad nauseum in the past. Look into previous episodes about cold weather gear for duck hunting. I've done, uh, I did entire episodes on hunting bibs that are for deer hunting. I've talked about all the different kinds of insulation on the market. You know, you're looking at Thermalite, Primaloft, Thinsulate, Kokona, uh, a whole bunch of others. You know, you've got wool, fleece, down. I've did an entire episode talking about only the different kinds of insulation that are used in hunting gear, what they mean, how they work, what what kind of things to look for, just to help you guys demystify that marketplace so you can find something that's within your budget that'll do what you need it to do. Go back and grab that episode. Uh, that was that episode had oh dozens and dozens and dozens of hours of research that I did that can save you from having to do it. So go and check that out. Uh, that's a good one. Hand warmers. That's the cheapest, fastest, easiest way to keep your hands warm. You get some of those like hot hands or I like the heat factory ones. Tear those things open. They're warm in two minutes. They'll keep you warm for 12 hours. You put them in your gloves. That's a great way to get by with cheap gloves and cheap gear for a season or two. You know, the hand warmers, you buy them by the case. You know, 15, 20 bucks as opposed to hundreds and hundreds of dollars of cold weather gear. And that can help get you through. You can throw those in your boots. Speaking of boots, you probably want to have some. Something waterproof. I like muck boots myself. Rocky boots are good. I've seen even cheap, you know, $10 uh, waterproof boots at like tractor supply and whatever. That'll do the job. Um, and often you're going to get there with your boots, set up with your boots, then take your boots off, put your waders on. But you got to keep in mind where you're going is going to be wet. It's going to be marshy. So you don't want to wear your waders from the car to the spot most of the time because one, it'll wear you out because they're big and heavy. And two, you'll wear the waders out by walking miles in them. So you need to have a pair of boots that you can get in and get out and do everything you need to do when you're not wearing the waders. Uh, bird retrieval plan. How are you going to get birds? If you're hunting on water, are you? how deep is the water? Are you able to wade out into it? If it's too deep for you to wade, how are you going to go further? Do you have a dog? Do you have a kayak? Do you have a boat? 
Uh, one of the things I recommend is you get an inflatable boat if you've got none of those things, which you can get for like 80 bucks. You can get a nice inflatable boat on Amazon that you just pump up, jump in it, and they'll hold 500 pounds. You can row out, grab the ducks, row back, deflate it, put it back in the sled, and you're on your way. Um, you know, just you got to keep in mind, what are you going to do if the bird's in water that's too deep? Or can you hunt water that's not too deep? You know, depends. Next, headlamp. Got to have a headlamp to get in there before dawn. You get a cheap one. Super cheap. Cheap works. You don't need a $40 rechargeable one. Actually, I prefer batteries over the rechargeable ones because I can just swap out batteries and I'm at 100% power and it lasts longer than the rechargeable ones. Whereas if I forget to recharge it, I'm done. I'm dead. I'm over. I can't hunt. What am I going to use? Use my cell phone flashlight. So... Uh, you get a cheap headlamp to start with, runs on like three AAA batteries. It's fine. AAAs are cheap. I keep an extra pack of them in my hunting bag at all times in case I get there and find my headlamp was on in the bag for the last week. It's fine. Throw in new batteries and you're at a hundred percent power. You need something to sit on. Well, maybe you get a little stool. Maybe you get a turkey blind chair or not blind chair, but a little turkey chair that keeps you four inches off the ground, keep you low behind your blind wall and your cover. Maybe you got a little cushion. Maybe you got a bucket. A bucket works. That's all you need. Bring in a five-gallon bucket. You put your gear in the bucket. Carry the bucket in. Take your gear out. Sit on the bucket. Uh, if you get ducks, you throw the ducks in or the geese in the bucket. Probably can't put too many geese in the bucket, but that works better for duck hunting. But whatever. You don't have to spend a lot of money. I got a nice three-legged stool for like 20 bucks. You can get a bucket for maybe free in your garage put a little piece of foam on it so it doesn't hurt your rear end and you're good. And another thing a lot of people overlook, which I think is actually very important, is decoy gloves if you're hunting in the water. You need waterproof, not water resistant, waterproof gloves that you can reach into 33 degree water to pull out your decoys, to reposition your decoys, to, to do whatever you need to do in the water that won't soak your hands or your regular gloves through to the bone, freeze you out, and cause you to have to give up the day. Uh, so that was a, a fire hose of stuff, but I go in more detail on all those things in previous episodes related to duck hunting. All that information applies 100% to goose hunting with regard to those, those bunches of gear pieces. So... The number one thing, though, you need to remember when it comes to your gear and the equipment you need for goose hunting is not price. It is not, you know, getting everything. It's not brands. It's how can I split this up between some hunting buddies? Can I get three guys that want to be my goose hunting crew? Me and two other guys or however many people you can get. And then you guys can split this stuff up one guy buys decoys one guy buys you know transportation one guy buys this stuff one guy buys waiters and you're able to spread this stuff out over a crew of people versus one person and then you hunt together you've got fellowship you learn together you have fun together you got someone to drag your car out of the mud when you get stuck you're, you're able to do stuff like that and you can spread the cost and the burden of this out. Maybe after a couple years, everybody ends up with their own set of stuff so you could hunt solo or with other people. But to start with, I think it's, a, it's maybe the best thing you can do to get a few guys 
who can spread this stuff out that you got to have, like the decoys, like the waiters, like the blind, like the calls. You know, maybe everybody's got their own gun and ammo, but a lot of this stuff you can spread out. So I hope this is helpful for you guys. Make sure you go to the website, newhundersguide.com. I have all the shows organized there. So if you go to iTunes or if you go to, you know, Google Podcast or Stitcher or um, Spotify or wherever you're going, they're all there, but they're just in, in order of release date. On the website, you can go to the different hunting categories. You can click on duck hunting. I've got all the all the episodes there. They're organized. You can look at deer and turkey hunting. Those are all there, organized by topic and subject matter. So you can see every episode ever done. At this point, I think you're probably at like 172 episodes or maybe even more by the time this airs. They're all organized. They're all there. You can sift through what else have I done? What have I talked about? As opposed to just trying to scroll through the the maddening stream of iTunes stuff. Because sometimes you're looking at things that are a couple years old and it's hard to go back that far and find it. So I did that work for you on the website. Check it out. Speaking of iTunes, please go there and leave a review for this podcast. That's the number one way to reach more people, to to get the word out, to rank higher in in their algorithm and in their search. I would really appreciate it if you're able to go there, leave a review with a comment. doesn't have to be long. You know, a five-star review with a one-sentence comment can, can do more to help reach more people with this podcast than almost anything else you could do. Of course, sharing it helps. But, you know, oftentimes what I've learned is with new hunters, you might be the only new hunter in your group. So you may not know a whole bunch of people to share new hunter content with. Happened to me. But you can help the people who are searching for it find it. And and that really helps out and, and gets the word out to more people. So I encourage you to do that. Send me a message on the website, newhundersguide.com. Love to hear from you guys. Love to hear your feedback, testimonies, questions, ideas for new shows. Just that you're out there and and you want to give me a thumbs up or you want to send me a comment that I can put on the What Listeners Are Saying page on the website, which is where I often go for encouragement because I've just compiled a bunch of things you guys have, have said and put thrown in over the years. And just, you know, that's a great place to go and see what other people have gained and learned and and how they've been helped. Uh, So, you know, I would love to hear from you and put something there, especially if you use this information. You go out, you shoot some geese, you know, you're able to actually do it and and break into this sport. Would love to hear from you. So till next time, God bless you guys and go get them in the woods. (laughs) 